Hey everybody, welcome to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. It's a podcast about movies, sometimes TV, and how they're reviewed, and sometimes being rickrolled again. This is like the fifth movie this year, I feel like, that has a rickroll joke in it, and yet there's something really effective about this one. I think his rickrolling disappeared for a long time, and everyone's like, we could do it now, we can do it. It worked on me. It never left on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it was still... This this Rickroll was very effective. This movie was not a Rickroll at all. Um, if you can't tell what we're talking about, since, like I said, that doesn't really narrow it down. And if you don't read episode titles or descriptions... If you go in blind, I want to know what kind of life you live. Um, we're talking about Bumblebee, which is released technically today. We are putting this up today. today. We had the pleasure of going to an early screening of it a couple weeks ago. Not like a complimentary, ooh, like we paid our money. We paid money for this. But we and wanted, you should too. Yeah, you should. You absolutely should. We wanted to see this already and kind of be able to form an opinion about it and be able to stand for it because we knew we would like before it came out. And especially since... And plus it's just... A very crowded December. Exactly. We thought we would get ahead we're, of the curve like, and well, see a movie. Like and we're literally going to see Aquaman tonight, so it's kind of one of those things where we we wanted to be able to, to appreciate as many movies as possible in this very crowded landscape. Yes. And so with this one, this is the 30th or 40th or 50th installment of the Transformers. It's actually only the 6th. Which is so weird to me. I, it, I, it just feels like it's been a while since I've believe the last one was last night. I know I said it's been a while. I was choosing to move past it yeah. because it would be an earworm all day. <laughs> um, but this no, is... No, the last night was the most recent one. I... Okay, so we so can just... We can my just, history with the Transformers... Yeah, I was like, let's just address see. this going in. I have seen the first one on TV, so it was probably like a TV cut. Then I saw Transformers 3 in theaters because that was the one set in Chicago. It's like, cool... I'll get to see it all on the big screen, get blown up with fucking big Transformers. Not worth it. <laughs> it was garbage. I don't... Like, I saw it with my brother when we both left. and was like, I don't know what we expected. Mm-hmm. It, it was... It, I felt empty afterwards. Uh-huh. I have not seen any of the original cartoon, any of the cartoons. Yeah. I've not seen the animated movie. Uh-huh. I've not read any of the comics. I could name... Confidently name maybe four Transformers. <laughs> the rest I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at with Transformers. I'm I'm essentially about the same. I I had the same introduction as you, which was watching Transformers as either a TV cut or a DVD cut at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. So it was even that extra layer of like we're just sitting around and a movie's playing in the background. So I really had no concept of what was going on. It was just yeah. there. It might have <clears throat> also just been that Disturbia movie that had Shia LaBeouf that came out <laughs> around the same time, and I might have mistaked mis- like thought that one was the other. But either case, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I've I've been kind of being more aware of what the Transformers franchise has to offer because of this movie and, like, leading up to this movie. But it's also a thing that I'm kind of blind about. And I don't yeah. mind that. It wasn't something that ever interested me until this I think movie. Pa- I think part of it is because we're both 90s kids. Yeah. We missed that generation. Yeah. It was a purely 80s thing. Yeah. And there wasn't really any Transformers thing on for us. Uh-huh. Well, and it was like, our frame of reference with the Transformers is just it kind of being the butt of the joke now with yeah. all of the Michael Bay movies <clears throat> that don't 
they barely constitute as movies. It's so diminishing returns and him just doing out of whatever he wants. And I think that's why the tomato meter for this one is so high because expectations for the franchise well, were like, so low. So the tomato meter for everything else, the first, because I, I, I checked this yesterday, the first Transformers has like a 50-something percent. The third one, I think, has like 37 for some reason. Everything else is like the late teens. And the first Transformers movie came out when? 2007? 2008? So this has been like 2007, so yeah. it's a little over a 10-year franchise already with six movies now. Yeah. That's insane. And they haven't, but they felt more like a response, or like a chore, yeah. as opposed to like a good movie. It's like, oh, well, okay, I guess it's inevitable that yeah. another one of these Like every 18 out. months, you're going to get a new one. Like once they came, once they went to the moon, I think culturally we all were just kind of like, okay, where, what are and we doing? And then everyone really checked out when they brought in King Arthur. Well, but that was the most recent one. Yeah. I checked out when Mark Wahlberg was involved Mark Wahlberg playing Katie Yeager, the most non like nonsensical character. Hey guys, name. I think we're gonna substitute on Katie Yeager. But like, so everything that we're complaining about with the old Transformers movies, Bumblebee subverts it and goes completely against it in spades, and which it's a delight. So it's currently at ninety four percent certified fresh, fresh, average rating seven point one out of ten out of ninety four reviews, which almost seems low. But, like, they're to still going to be coming in. That's I true, think. yeah. It's still... Because, like, the review embargo for this was weird. It was literally, like, first reviews started getting posted the day after you and I went to that screening. And yeah. then, like, the premiere was, like, a couple days later. Like, there never was really a consistent, like... Release. We're going to ship everyone up to Paramount and, like... Yeah. Do the whole wine and dine thing that they normally do with press tours. So, out of the 94 reviews, only six are rotten. Wow. The consensus is... <clears throat> Bumblebee proves it's possible to bring fun and a sense of wonder back to a bloated blockbuster franchise and sets up its own slate of sequels in the bargain. Uh, there's a 92% for want to see it, and there's user ratings of almost 2,000. So, I mean, more will roll in yeah. over the course of the weekend and yeah. week. Th this is weird. This is the first one where it's like we're looking at the Rotten Tomatoes page and it's not the, like, how many yeah. people liked it because we're ahead of the curve. But um, still, like, with almost 100 yeah. reviews, only, Nine, like, only six, six are, are rotten. rotten. And honestly, like, compared to the other movies that are coming out this season, like, I had wholeheartedly expected Mary Poppins to be, like, everyone's gonna love this and it's gonna get like a score in the like high 80s like low 90s so I will and yet say, it is tied with Aquaman so I will say right now so I'm as of right now on the Rotten Tomatoes page um I'm just refreshing it now so for this weekend right now Aquaman is at 68 percent oh, Bumblebee Bumblebee 94 Mary Poppins is at 78 Wow. Bumblebee is beating out Aquaman and Mary Poppins. How did Aquaman go down? I don't like that. I don't know. I mean, it'll probably go up either way. We're, we're going to talk about fresh. Aquaman yeah, later. We'll but, like, but the fact that Bumblebee <clears throat> is so astronomically, like, it's performing so much better than the other two. I think that speaks to the franchise. It is like it but sunk it, so low that yeah. having it, this new It also, yeah, it speaks to, like, how good this movie is. Yeah. Like, even, like... If you're not trying to compare it to the previous movies, because like we said, we have no frame of reference for it, but just this just feels fresh and like a fun thing to watch, even on its own. This it works on this movie. I imagine it was pitched as 
E.T. meets the Iron Giant. So, do you want to know who pitched it? Who was it? Steven Spielberg. Oh, that's right. I did see that. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's totally an Amblin E.T. Yeah. Yeah. thing. Like, he, he had the idea of it, and I don't know how that idea, like, how that idea springboarded from there, but I love that it is totally the Spielberg-esque. You could totally tell... Travis yeah. is a Spielberg 80s kid. Yeah, which, like, a lot of directors in this current generation yeah. are, but, like, this is definitely a love letter to that era. Mm-hmm. But it's done in this way that isn't going to just, like, beat you over the head with it, yeah. kind of. There's, like, a little bit of nuance, and there's a little bit of, like, subversion and, like, different mm-hmm. things going on, while it is still very much that kind of movie. Yeah. It, it works really well. It made me care about... Transformers, at least a couple of them. It's just fun. Like, it's... It's not occupied or, like, worried about adding big gratuitous explosions or exploiting female leads. It cares so much more about characters. Mm -hmm. And in a way that is, like, really kind of just... It's refreshing within this franchise, and it's just refreshing in general to, like, see this kind of pull back and be such, like, a small cast and a small, like, setting and everything. Well, like, when I said when we left, it's, it's, I was more emotionally invested in Bumblebee ruining someone's house, someone's living room, than I was an entire city being destroyed. Exactly, Because it's like this thing, it's like this destruction porn we've seen over and over again. It's like, oh. The big blue light in the sky. I just don't care anymore, but seeing... Yeah, Charlie the, freak yeah. out, oh my god, yeah. my living room is destroyed. Because, okay, so first off, you need to see this movie before... Yeah, Because we're, we're gonna... Spoiler there aren't, there aren't, like, huge, oh my god, spoilers. We no. might touch on a couple, but if you, like, see... If you the, care about that kind of thing, th- turn back. This probably isn't your first rodeo. <laughs> like, just watch this movie and then come back. But yeah, there's this whole sequence where, like, Bumblebee is home alone and just awkwardly goes through Charlie's house and breaks everything. Not out of malice, it's just, like, I don't... I'm a huge I'm too, robot and I'm I don't know awkward, how to get around yeah. this house. And then Charlie comes home, and it is, like, anxiety-inducing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's very much the 80s thing of, like, oh, no, the monster freaked out. Like, yeah. made my house a mess. <clears throat> my mom's going to freak out. It's a but classic Mac and Me situation. <laughs> you haven't seen Mac and Me. Just, just roll with it. It is a Mac and Me situation, <laughs> but you have not seen Mac and Me. Do not besmirch the masterpiece that is Mac and Me. One day we will cover that movie, even though it has a 0% Rotten Tomatoes rating. Um... Zero's a number. <laughs> Technically, yes. Um, but, yeah, it's done in this way, like, like we said, it brings back these tropes that, like, yes, they've been done before, but in in an extent, like, this movie couldn't have been made now. If this movie was made in, like, the 80s or early 90s, it would have been, like, much more misogynistic. It wouldn't have had mm-hmm. a female lead. It wouldn't have had this kind of, like, care brought to well, it. Well, gee, I wonder why. Maybe it's because you have... A female writer yep. and a director who has reverence and knowledge yeah. uh, for this genre and this franchise. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Like, I was already on the Christina Hodson train, but, like, this movie proved just how well she was going to do with, like, yeah. Batgirl and with Birds of Prey. Because she she can handle, like, an ensemble of characters and give them all their own arcs and give them all, like, their own personalities and heart and then also have like action sequences and make you actually like give a shit about the action sequences she writes action well and she just writes a very earnest endearing that's exactly what it is it's earnest and it's done in this way that feels refreshing it's It's not not, like we also like when i said when we leave 
It's not trying to be cool. Yeah, it just it's, is. It's not. It's it just is. It's, it's naturally not like, yeah. cool. Michael Bay's whole thing was like at explosions, yeah. gratuitous cleavage and butt shots yeah. of Megan Fox trying to be cool and mm-hmm. broy, but it didn't work. And it's misogynistic. It's stupid. And then we get this. Where it ends up being cool. Yeah. Like, I'll get into it later, but there's, like, an Easter egg at the end of this movie that hearing our audience react to it, like, in, in that screening, was, like, I don't, I, I would imagine no one reacted to the rest of the Transformers movies that hard combined. Yeah, now, being on, like, the outside looking in, not being yeah. familiar with this franchise, it's like, oh, this is how people feel when I watch, like, yeah. a genre or franchise thing that I yeah. really love. Yeah, but also... <clears throat> It would be the equivalent, I'm trying to, it's almost the equivalent of, like... The most recent thing... It'd be the equivalent of, like, a huge Spider-Man fan watching Homecoming and being like, this is what I've wanted all along, but I haven't gotten it in the other movies. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Um, So, so usually the format of this podcast, we find one review that conforms to our views, two that go against, but in this case, there's so many... Positive reviews. I think we're just gonna skip positive reviews. <laughs> yeah, because we haven't. We could. We haven't really waded into those waters. I think we might just like tweet or link to like a couple of good positive reviews. Like there's so many. You can and, throw a stick and you'll hit twenty. And like we said, like we're gonna talk about how much we <clears throat> love this movie, but I'd really rather do it through the confines of like the bad ones. So it would not to invalidate the negative reviews. They have their opinion. That's fine, but. We're going to disagree with them. Yeah, exactly. So, which one do you want to do first? Movie Nation. Yeah, so the first review comes from Movie Nation by, I think it's Roger Moore. Yeah, Roger or, yeah, Roger in Orlando is his screen name. This is like a blog spot. It is a very much a blog spot (laughs) website. Again, I have gone on this rant multiple times on this podcast. I don't understand who does and doesn't get chosen to be a tomato meter critic because this blog is not to completely shit on this blog in particular, but there are a lot of these kind of blogs where it's like, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, their motto is informed film criticism against the grain since 1984. See, that's what it is. So it's like have, a grandfathered-in kind of thing. Did he have, like, pamphlets, like, pre-internet? Was he always here? Was he there did with he Al Gore? Did he publish a zine? <laughs> did he have a zine? Like, I, I give him respect, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. More power to you for keeping it going for, like, 30 years. I guess. I, this site is at least better to read than some of the other ones. It is. Some of the ones in our <clears> early <throat> episodes were like, how how is this still a website? This looks like it's straight from 1990. So the review starts off with, Don't be fooled by the wallow in 80s nostalgia, music, fashion, the bad TV. It's just naked pandering to us. I grew up with the Transformers more than meets the eye, first-gen fans. Um... <sighs> It says what the what the Bumblebee reboot of Transformers really offers is what the TV show that spawned it had it going for it. Childish innocence. It's a twelve and under action picture, PG thirteen or not, with robot on robot violence, simple jokes, and a heaping helping of cute cornball and unreal liquidation deaths. I like So I think the whole eighties thing, especially when you're talking about the first gen. Yeah. This is what Transformers fans wanted. From the as, beginning. As far as I know, they fucking hate the Michael Bay designs. They I was, I was like, Googling them after we saw this movie. Like, okay, I'll, I'll get to the thing now. because if you're, I'll, I'll get to it now, because if you're this far in, you care. Like, th- one of the big ending moments of the movie is, like, B, like, drives away and then is right by this, like, red and white truck. And that's clearly Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. And it looks fucking exactly like, like, the first-gen Optimus yeah. Prime. And I was looking, because I was like, 
what does the Michael Bay version of Optimus Prime look like? He has fucking like flames along the side yeah. and looks Again, just like horseshit. Cool. And it's like it like the Transformers, the original Transformers movies feel like the the original Bay ones feel like this weird product of like the mid two thousands. Oh, totally. But and like yes, that was a barometer of what was cool. But like they kept it going. But like I said, the amount of people who lost their shit at just seeing a red and white truck show up, like yes, it is kind of. It, it is kind of like pulling on that nostalgia and specifically making that kind of movie. But this is something that the fans have wanted. And it's also something where even as I'm not a fan, I understand the feeling of wanting something to be portrayed on screen correctly and going from mm-hmm. one portrayal to another of it not working. And so I understand the gratification that f- happens of like, oh, this is being done right. And this is exactly the, how it's supposed to be. And at the end be. of this movie, it's earned. Exactly. Like, I, I, mm. I could feel what those fans were feeling because it's like i i know that perspective as just someone who is a fan of things and like you said you you give enough of a shit about the transformers as this movie goes along that those little moments and little easter eggs and Mm -hmm. shit feel earned yeah um so talking about christina hodson in the review she's concocted a prequel how bumblebee lost his voice that rigidly adheres to the cars turn to robots and befriend humans formula she rings a few laughs out of sight gags and knowing 80s references alf hey willie uh, okay but like i i liked the 80s references in a way that i i almost want to say they're more nuanced than guardians of the galaxy <laughs> like like the whole uh, uh, subplot of Charlie using music as yeah. a voice. God, I such, fucking love it's that. It's such an ingenious way to I incorporate music so much. into it. Like them tuning the radio to finding like just little song clips. Yeah. It's genius. Like it it totally fits that kind of like eighties mixtape sort of sensibility, mm-hmm. but then it yeah, you get the added thing of like this is how Bumblebee finds his voice is just yeah. by like tuning to different music and spelling out the the words that he wants to say. Like it's it's so it, it's endearing. It's exactly what you said. And, like, yeah, even the, like, more generic 80s references, like, yes, there are a lot of them, but it's also, like, that's what it, like, that's what I would it's expect. Like, sh- like, shut up. We can have cheesy 80s references. It's fun. It's not, like, a serious thing. Uh, yeah, I'm also, and it's, and it's, it's, it doesn't distract from anything. Yeah. It's just, it's... Like, seeing Elf on the TV, and it's like, oh, I'm, I can't buy it. I'm out. It's not like the, the Breakfast Club runner which was genuinely like a good runner it's not like that is the same thing like there there's a way that these references are incorporated in this movie in a way that doesn't feel ham-fisted like it just it feels like a consequence of setting your movie in the 80s and while bumblebee never achieves the antic self-mocking giddiness of the first 45 minutes of the first transformers film it's at it's at least relatively painless more than you could say for the mark Wahlberg years Animation veteran, feature turn director Travis Knight gives the transformations a tactile reality and the epic reboot Sprawl Robots Sprawls a visual coherence that Michael Bay, still producer, never did. I will say that. So we were talking about this when we left the movie. There's something about the way that the action sequences were composed. It just from what I remember of the the Transformers action scenes in the other movies, they just felt so dumb and like explosions and just mindless poorly directed action. you can't like you can't tell who's in the scene you can't tell what's going on part of on. it is also like you said the character design because like this movie simplifies the amount of like gears and gadgets and shit yeah, there's on solid everybody. plating on everyone there's 
vibrant colors yeah for everyone each has one. their own color palette so it's not like wait who was that I exactly thought that was that one but like at the same time when you get to the action scenes they felt so realistically choreographed they yeah. felt like real people Bumblebee who were like I'm, yeah exactly he knows kung fu and it's so fun and it's done in this way that like it it comes across as real people fighting in this situation like like oh shit i'm like by the skin of my yeah. teeth and i'm in this junkyard and i'm having to use whatever is around me to fight like that felt so much more authentic and cuz like when you when they would get punched or something would break off you'd kind of like feel it in yeah. a way whereas and I think that is the it's an, a testament to the character design as well as like the fight choreography because mm. if one of those hadn't worked and the other had it wouldn't have had the same effect. And the fact that it's fight choreography with two giant CGI creations, yeah. it's not like they're there with like mocap people. They might have. Maybe, had, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. But like it was done in this way that I, it wouldn't have surprised me if they had mocap. Like it felt very authentic and easier to follow. Which was weirdly refreshing. Like, you even have... I'm thinking of, like, Civil War. You have, like, comic book movies that just have people in them, and yet it's so hard to follow the action sometimes. It's, because it's so much it going on. It takes a on. very skilled director to figure out how to choreograph fight scenes with more than two people. Yeah. It's it's a very underappreciated and rated skill exactly. to have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the view says... What else? The story begins on Cybertron. Yeah, goes into a lot of review and recap. Um, more recap and review. The the girl the girl robot bonding stuff is sweet ish. Charlie is the one who makes Bumblebee talk via taped music. Um, I don't care for the Smiths. Just throwing that in. But I I did like the Smiths runner. Like I'm, that was personally, adorable. I don't I don't get it. I I like some of the the Smiths songs. It depends. But like I I found that adorable. That it's mm. like oh you don't like the Smiths and then like at the very <laughs> at, in like the third act it's fight like you, you're playing the you like the Smiths. <laughs> but yeah, it. The romance is chased strictly a non-starter and perhaps the clearest sign that they're taking this franchise back to little kids who buy the toys and not the people who keep such toys in their original packaging. No hint of Megan Fox, Shia LaBeouf heat, no leering, lingering shots of cleavage, very little swank. There it's, doesn't it, need to be any of that. Roger Moore wants this movie to be reductive and back to its roots when this Bumblebee is advancing the franchise to good, positive places. It also Because, like, even the most recent Transformers movies felt like they were plucked from a different era. Like, The mm -hmm. Last Night and whatever. Like, the way that they treated a lot of their female characters. Yeah. It was, like, oh, the same, like, Daisy Dukes. Like, yeah. I'm I'm just here to show you my ass kind of yeah. female character I who gets tell no you, agency. I couldn't tell you who those actresses were because I just remember Marky Mark and Shia. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like... <sighs> Whereas this one, like, Charlie is such a well-rounded, fascinating, like, relatable character. It's it's like you said, it's equally a coming-of-age movie, like a John Hughes coming-of-age movie. It is. And it's a, like, giant robot movie. Mm -hmm. And granted, like, Haley Steinfeld, who I, I love, like, I haven't seen all of her movies, but I love her and everything that she's yeah. in. But, like, she... 
she's able to give this character so much depth and like knowing that she's basically acting against like a tennis ball on a stick for most of the movie, but she does it with such a good ability and nuance. The last movie I saw of hers, I didn't see all of it. Uh I caught most of it on TV was Edge of 17. I've still been meaning to watch that. Yeah. She's fucking great in that. She totally captures the, I mean, cause she is and she's gone through like the awkward teen stuff and like you get the awkward teen stuff in this but then you also get her like she's she's relatable and she's not like she gets it she's very much like this person who like you said she's not trying to be cool she just is kind of cool and she's seen as this outcast because Mm -hmm. of like the 80s stereotypes around her and shit but she still is like just trying to figure out who she is and i i love the storyline that she has of trying to get over her grief. Yeah. Like, I would not have even fathomed having that nuanced of a storyline in any of the other Transformers I movies. think no other movie would have had that in there. It would just like, oh my god, I found this weird creature, alien yeah. thing, whatever, 80s yeah. trope you want to throw in, but yeah. it but, works. But, like, and, like, the about the romance, it's like, that's totally fine. Like, no we one, don't... No one needs it. Just let them be friends. Exactly. Which is... It was kind of refreshing in a way. Like it's 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 refreshing to have a movie play so much into eighties storytelling and then go against it because every other eighties movie would have had the, a the they very, would have followed through with it. The very end memo tries to kiss Charlie and, yeah. and she's like, No 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 no, we're, we're not, not there, there yet. yet. But it, She it, has agency. She has agency, but she leaves it open. It's like I like you, but yeah. we're just we're just friends right like, now. Yeah, like, chill. Yeah. Any and, other movie they would have kissed and was like, Oh, that's sweet and it's like, No 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 no. Yeah. Just because we went through, like, a big apocalyptic thing doesn't mean I get to make out with you. Yeah. And then, so then it goes on to say, the violence is just rough enough with humans succumbing into explosions of goo. I like the way they pop Decepticon Shatter, played by Justin Thoreau jokes. I will say the amount of, like, as as much as this review is shitting on this movie and saying that it's, like, for 12 and under, the, like, and it goes back to the physicality of the robots, but all of the violence in this movie felt more like, ooh, like, you could kind of viscerally yeah. feel yeah, it. Yeah, the first time they make a human go pop. Oh. Well, it, and even before that, they're on uh, the moon or whatever. Cybertron. No. <laughs> oh, they, oh the, Yeah. I'm not talking about Cybertron. Right. I'm talking about the, they were on the, Saturn or something. Yeah, some some planet, and like they're they're trying to torture Soundwave. Maybe I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, I think it was Soundwave or something. One of the. I, if you're a Transformers fan the, and we're making you don't upset, add I'm us. sorry. And then um, they they just stab him. They're torturing him. No, they him. cut him in half. Oh, that's right. They like cut him down the middle, and it was like, oh, that hurts <laughs> to watch. Like. There's such a physicality to these fucking robots in a way that I wasn't expecting. Well, I don't know, maybe because they're actually treated like characters. That's also part of it, too. Yeah. They're not just, like, plot points. They're not set pieces or anything. Yeah, exactly. They're treated like actual pawns in the game. And it's weirdly refreshing, even as it is, like, oh, they just popped a human, like, a fucking, like, water balloon. So if I remember it, this part of the review is where I rolled my eyes and I could see my brain. (laughs) There's little that could be adult in either the humor or situations. So of the three popcorn pictures this holiday season presents, Bumblebee stands out as the most infantile. Girl-powered or not, it's not really about anything any more than Spider-Man or Aquaman. But dare I say, if I was 11, I think it was two hours well spent. I'd want the toys, and I'd definitely break the seal on the packaging. Two out of four stars. Way to dig at girl power, fucking... He, he 
I don't understand wow. why he has to dig at the yeah, girl cool, power. Yeah, cool, cool way to punch down, my dude. Punch down. It's he wants this franchise to go back to its roots. The Michael Bay bullshit. I don't understand why. Just the takedown of girl power. The whole just reductiveness of it all, saying that this humor isn't for me. Does the movie it's need to my... always be about anything? It, no. This movie is about things. It's about, like, outcasts. It's a coming-of-age it, story. It's about it's... outcasts, like, realizing that they, like, can bond with each other and that they have something in common. And, like, there's a lot more that can be read through this movie. It's just clear that he was it's... kind of shutting the door. It's so ironic to me that... I'm assuming that this Roger Moore guy grew up with 80s movies yeah. and does not get the point of this one. Yeah. Maybe he does and he just doesn't like it, but... And then kind of the, the punch down on people who... Kids who would like this movie and want to go buy the toys. And That's, that was the whole point of this goddamn fr Transformers franchise. It was to sell it's toys. It's literally to sell, to sell toys. So I don't know what you expect. And it's also like, okay... You can say the same exact thing for Spider-Verse and for Aquaman and for every other fucking general audience movie that has a toy line. It's yep. to sell toys. It, like, yes, the movies become about something more. It's reductive to say that this movie isn't about anything just because you didn't retain anything from it. Like, literally, just replace Bumblebee with the Iron Giant. And you e. get the Iron Giant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, anything else, and it's, like, we've seen this over and over again, but it's still well done. And it, and like we said, it's kind of quietly groundbreaking to have it be, a like, a female lead. And to have it be, because I'm so used to, like, Elliot and E.T. and all of the other, like, the kid from Iron Giant, and just having, like, boys have that kind of yeah. story, but not really the same thing with girls. Girls because were always, like, the accessory. Especially because Transformers is such a male, dude, bro-oriented yeah. franchise. Yeah. To have a... Female lead. Yeah. Is amazing. Yeah. So now we're off to Slant Magazine. Oh boy. Uh, Two out of four stars by Pat Brown. The Resilient Transformer series gets its first universe-expanding spin-off with the prequel film Bumblebee. After bringing his distinctive audiovisual overload to five strange Transformers films, Bay turns over directing duties tonight. Uh, the difference shows Bumblebee is less aggressively macho, more woman-friendly, and spatially coherent than any Transformers film before it. But in moving away from the paroxysms of Bay's dissociative style, the series loses the very thing that most defined it. I don't necessarily agree with that. I I think it needed this... It needed I'll this just, so just, badly. It needed this Travis Knight anima very badly. <laughs> and I don't get why... Pat Brown, it's the same thing as It's like, why, why are we what? wanting to go back to Michael Bay? Exactly. We, it was all diminishing returns. No one liked I, them. We all I'm shat sure on them. I'm sure if we looked at, like, reviews from, like, every outlet. Like, like I said, the Rotten Tomato scores for all of the Transformers like, yeah, are horrible. I'm not going to spend the time to pull out receipts here, but I'm sure if we look at reviews for the previous ones, like you just said, from Pat Brown and Roger Moore, they would shit on them. I'm sure they didn't like The Last Night. Because so why do we want to go back to what we had before? And, like... And then this is not the thing. There's no shortage of macho action, yeah. like, just CGI overload movies that and, exist now. And Michael Bay is not Transformers. He is not the definitive... No. I'm sure you ask any Transformers fan, they will say, fuck Bay. Yeah, exactly. It is more than these six... It's more five, than meets the yeah, eye. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but really, though, like, the essence of the Transformers movies, or the essence of the Transformers franchise is really just, like these 
it's just like playing with the toys and yeah. creating your own like, sort yeah. of adventure. Yeah, like it's inherently silly. It's like, oh my god, these robots turn into vehicles. Okay, yeah. but then it became this bigger thing that... 30-somethings like, and adults have nostalgia now and reverence yeah. for it, well, so don't take that away from them or diminish it. And, like, the Bay movies, just the narrative, just from, like I said, as an outsider, the narrative of those movies, it was, like, how more ridiculous, like, the only franchise I can think of that's on par is, like, Sharknado, where mm -hmm. it's like, okay, now we're going to the moon, now we're, like, traveling least, back in time. But that's a franchise that, that has, has self-awareness. Self that the, the Transformers franchise, according to... To Roger, it only it like apparently had self awareness in the first one, and then it just lost it throughout. Mm -hmm. But even then, it's like this one even like Bumblebee kind of acknowledges like how ridiculous mm -hmm. this is. So like Roger Moore, Pat Brown says Bumblebee is set in the nineteen eighties, which makes almost too much metatextual sense given that the period represents the Transformers franchise's original heyday. Uh, then he starts going into recap of the movie. The plot is nothing if not familiar. Charlie discovers a hologram, SOS, blah, blah, blah. More recap. Go see the movie if you don't want to know stuff. Um, certain elements carried over from the wider Transformers universe nevertheless work against the film's cultivation of a sincere tone. The way every character articulates both the make and model of Bumblebee's card form is the VW bug, never a bug brings back into view the corporate synergy that this and uh, I just I don't agree with that no it's it's more of like why weren't you what you were before it's I like the sincere tone none of the movies before this had that the last one that had it was the original Transformers animated movie where they killed Optimus Prime <laughs> yeah well, and then, like, this also says, there's also an, an ultimately unnecessary B-plot focused on Agent Burns and his mistaken pursuit of Bumblebee as a hostile alien, a plot which, in its overly anti-intellectual hawkish themes, is a carryover from the series' unapologetic militarism. So I will say, I, like, I'm kind of forming this thought as I'm saying it, but there was something as silly and as tropey as that whole B-plot was of, like, we're the military and we're trusting these evil yeah. robots because we don't know any better. I'm like gonna cite that whole argument of history keeps repeating itself. There was something oddly relevant about like we're just gonna blindly trust this thing and not necessarily oh, yeah. actually listen to either sides of point of view, and we're gonna hunt after this this creature because it we doesn't don't matter. We're gonna kill it. them all anyways. Yeah. yeah, like there was something weirdly familiar about that and relevant about that that wasn't. I, I'm sure it wasn't intended, but that felt a little bit more. Sin sincere and understandable also in the context of the 80s because like the f one of the funniest things to me was the like the evil robots land and they agree to work with the military and then they basically create the, the evil internet. robots they're called Decepticons hush <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be I'm trying to be nice but okay but no, the Decepticons agree to work with the military and with and to be like experimented on all this shit, and they basically create the internet. Yeah. And it basically proves Get like fucked Al Gore. <laughs> 
But, like, it, it kind of, it, it makes you remember, like, oh, yeah, okay, like, realistically, they would have no concept of, like, being able to gather this much information. And, like, they use it under the context of, like, the Cold yeah. War of, like, oh, well, we need this in order to, like, we need this technology so that the Russians don't get it. It's like, if, if we don't let the Decepticons in, then they'll just go to the Russians, exactly. blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it's done in this way that felt, feels very of the times. And, oh, yeah. And is, it, it makes... A.K.A. every... 80s movie where the bad guys are the Russians. And like and like I I I I liked that a little bit more than I would theoretically like like the militarism of a normal Transformers yeah. movie. Like and I also liked I have to give John Cena a lot of credit. Like we just have to shout him out because I when when I read <laughs> the headline like a year and a half ago, John Cena cast in Transformers Bumblebee movie, I was like what is happening? So I didn't closely follow like the whole discourse and mm-hmm. production stuff before mm-hmm. seeing it. Uh-huh. There, I guess there was a whole fan theory that John Cena was going to like people want. It's like maybe he's playing VGI Joe. Yeah, and it's like that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, and like that's <laughs> he like, wants that crossover. Yeah, so I I would be down. Yeah, like sure, but like. I just remember the only two tidbits I had really gleaned from this movie was, like, Haley Steinfeld has been cast and John Cena has been cast. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? what? But John Cena is a genuinely funny person. He like, is. he is severely, uh, like, underestimated a lot. He is... He had one of the best lines in the movie. He is absurdly like, good at comedy. Like, yeah. even just, like, when he appears on late-night talk shows. Like, my little sister rewatches his, like, Mad Libs thing on The Tonight Show, like, all the time because it's so genuinely funny. But, like, yeah, like you said, he has one of the best lines in the movie, which is... It, they're literally called Decepticons. Doesn't that raise any red flags? Guys, yeah. Like, he's the perfect... It, it simultaneously works as, like, this caricature of, like, 80s tropes. Mm-hmm. But then he also gets the, like, heel turn at the end of, like, yeah. I'm gonna help you out. And he's like, alright, get out of here before I change my mind. Yeah. Like, there's there's somewhat of an arc with him. Yeah. Whereas if Michael Bay was doing this movie, John Cena would be the main character. Yeah. So. Yep. Despite the flaws, Bumblebee is a nearly successful at crafting a coming-of-age tale in the vein of 80s-era teen adventure films to which it's clearly indebted. It makes good on at least some of the sins of a series that's been all about, on one hand, transforming commodity fetishes into embodiments of epic morality, on the other, transforming humans, uh, women, into commodity fetishes. Thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) So thank you, yeah, Pat Brown, for pointing out one major flaw of the Bay movies. But it also excludes some it of the tedious exudes some of the tediousness of a reformed sinner who decrees heathenism, trying hard to convince us that it now believes in something. I I disagree with that. Yeah. I it's like I don't know. I guess I don't know, maybe I just fell for their whole shtick, but like like you said, there's this whole audience of people who like wanted this this version of the Transformers franchise. And it's not to say, like, oh, they now believe in this positive thing. It's like yeah. there, there are groups of people who thought that this was what it could be. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, so this, I'm going to parallel this with another movie franchise that X-Men. Yeah, thank you. I was hoping you would talk about the X-Men. The X-Men movies kind of framed how I view them as a whole in all media, mm-hmm. and that is they can get fucked. <laughs> With a few standouts like Logan, First Class, 
Um, but they, all the other ones kind of framed how I view the X-Men. It's like, I just don't give a shit. Uh-huh. And then something like Logan and Bumblebee comes along. It's like, oh, this is what the franchise could be. Yeah. New voices just kind of elevating Smaller it. Smaller scale. Character first. You're narrowing in like a huge problem with the X-Men franchise, which is like when you have a cast of like 30 people, you can't give anyone character development other than like the same two or three people mm-hmm. because you're having to let everyone get like yeah. five minutes of screen time. Yep. And you're having to let the big fight scene be like a giant fucking group effort. It's not and, even just that. It's the repetitive like, oh my God, the Transformers, we're going to fight Megatron again. Oh yeah. my God, X-Men, we're going to fight Fight Magneto, Magneto again. But that's exactly what I it's, mean, though. It's is all that, diminishing like, returns. No one gets development in the Transformers movies other than Magneto. And, and they're not allowed to be anything else. Exactly. They're stuck in this box of, like, you have the parallel of, like, both of them are very problematic in their own right, yeah. of Bay and Singer yeah. monopolizing their respective franchises yeah. and turning them into this weird fetished accent action repetitive it's so repetitive it's the same story just with different window dressing every time whereas this is like it's it's like you said it is very logan-esque in the way that it like is able to tell a different story you could also pay to like when matthew vaughn came on for first class like holy shit this is the anima the x-men needed Yeah, but then at the same time they like cannibalized ba- themselves yeah. as, it, as it went along. But it it still is that kind of it's approaching something with a reverence and approaching it with yeah. the ability to care and to make people care. It's not even like there are a lot of instances where you don't necessarily need someone who knows that franchise inside and out or has yeah. deep reverence for it. You just need someone who is a good filmmaker. Exactly. And understands the importance Which, of it. Which, Knight is both. He's someone yeah. who really loved... Like, he's part of that generation that grew up with the original Transformers. And he's simultaneously someone who... Like I, like we were kind of saying when we first saw the movie. Having someone with an animation background kind of shift over into live action. There's such a tangible difference to, like, how the movie is approached. I would love to see more animation people jump over to live action. Yeah. The other case being Brad Bird. Yes. When he jumped from animation. Mm-hmm. who fucking did Iron Giant yeah. and Mission Possible, whatever the hell. Yeah. Fallout, maybe? No. Fallout just came out this year. Er, Doesn't matter. Ghost Protocol, maybe. Okay. Maybe that one. But Brad Bird (laughs) did a great job directing live action. Yeah. Like, I wish that that was a more common thing and that we wouldn't just, like, pigeonhole directors. Because you have directors that are, like, live action ones that go over into animation, but you don't necessarily have the reverse. Boy, they go back. Yeah. Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah. I, I was waiting until we brought up Lord and Miller in that discourse because we'll, it does we'll, feel like part of it. Yeah. Yeah, we are going to put out a Spider-Verse episode. This week has been crazy. We'll put one out hopefully as like a something later this month. But yeah, it... Again, it's it's like you said, it's having people who care about the source material and aren't just like making a movie just to put, like put butts in seats. So despite having a negative... Uh, review, it does say better than Bay ever could Bumblebee fight in space for real human emotion in a world dominated by sentient corporate logos. And while this rediscovery of the human in the machine makes this film easier to watch than its precursors, one may wonder if that actually makes it better. I mean, like, that is a valid argument. 
I personally think it's better. I yeah. also think, like, it's a sign of the times right now of, like, we just want human emotion in movies. Like, yeah. why do you think fucking, like, This Is Us and, like, all of these, like, Hallmark movies and stuff are so popular right now? It's, like, people just want... We just want nice, they, sincere, earnest escapism. They want sincerity, yeah. And there's something about this, this franchise going from being so insincere to then just having such a completely different attitude and this sincerity that like anyone can go into and be a fan of and yeah. can fall for like, like and that's like we we were sold on this movie and we left fucking loving it yeah without having been fans of the franchise before yeah. so any it works for anyone yeah exactly that's what i mean is yeah. there's it, it's able to work on people i would almost argue like granted there's a completely different like, you've seen this almost with, not to bring up the MCU in every single episode we do, but you see this with MCU movies, like, every couple of years, where there's always, like, you had Guardians of the Galaxy, where it was, like, a lot of people who didn't necessarily care about mm -hmm. a lot of Marvel movies were like, oh, well, I can go into this and understand it, even if I don't understand yeah. everything else, and I can still appreciate it and appreciate the sincerity in it. And then you had that with Black Panther with a whole other level of, like, representation on screen but also like general audiences people who were like i don't like superhero movies were going to go see that because of the amount of like because of the yeah. sincerity of and what was being like, on screen in this life, I, that's why i think a lot of people will look forward more to like black panther over infinity war because like smaller yeah. scale i can invest in this more than this big superhero smorgasbord action end of the world flick you sound like that one reviewer from our infinity war episode where yeah he was like how dare how, yeah. how dare you make me watch 20 movies that come out every couple of years if that's a whole other thing no i know yeah. no i know but no i was gonna touch back because you talked about guardians yeah. i will say looking at this to how they uh, i don't want to cash in on 80s nostalgia yeah. this does it much more better and sincerely that was what I said at the beginning yeah, of the than, episode than yeah. what Gunn does yeah. the way he uses music is manipulative <laughs> in the whole 80s nostalgia of it, like, it works but it, it is works. it's a very different kind of style it's a more surface level shallow I uh, I wouldn't necessarily maybe, go that far I don't know I would say it's much more <sighs> maybe Gunn just has a bad taste in my mouth now <laughs> I mean, yes, that's the whole thing is like not to, I, I, I have weird, like a weird point of view towards gun right now, but I, I think that there is like, like we said, there is like a little bit more of like a softness to the way that the 80s references work yeah. in this movie and like both can exist at the same time and both can be valid ways of like using music and cashing in on that kind of nostalgia. But like, I also think part of it is, is that like... Guardians is so, like, since it's set in space and isn't set Flashy. on isn't set on Earth, like the the way that the music is used is inherently like undiegetic. Like even if it yeah. is like co incorporated into a scene, it becomes like a thing that that song is being incorporated into a scene. Yeah. Whereas like he uses it as like an extension of the set piece. Yeah, whereas, like, Bumblebee, it's, like, this is a consequence of having a movie set in California in the yeah. 80s. It's, like, we would find this song on the radio. Like, it, they they both can coexist at the same yeah. time, and it's used for completely different storytelling purposes. I think the main takeaway here is that we need to watch Kubo and the Two Strings. Yes, we do. It was on on the TV when we were at your <laughs> mom's house the other day. But, yeah, it, like, Travis Knight is amazing. Whatever he does, I will be there for. Yeah. If he wants to do another one of these, awesome. Either way, 
like I'm sold on Travis Knight. Yeah. We're already sold on Hodson. Yeah. We're already seeing what she's doing next. Yeah. We're already like I love Haley Steinfeld. I do remember, like, a year and a half ago, she was like, I want to play Batgirl, and now I'm just like, hey, hey, WB. With Hodson writing that yeah. movie. I'm like, hey, hey, hey WB, hey. can you make it hey happen, guys. please? <laughs> but, yeah. I'll slide a WB's DMs. I guess that goes right into our last game, our, like, fan cast game. Like, we just basically played so it. So if you're new to this, we're, like, I don't know how many episodes in, over 50. Yeah. If you don't know by now, we just fan cast the people in the movie we just watched into superhero stuff. So Haley Steinfeld is Batgirl. Travis story. Knight, Travis Knight could do literally anything. Um, He's so versatile. Like he can do something like Kubo and the Two Strings. Like it doesn't. It it absolutely doesn't surprise me that that rumor went around that he was he was maybe going to do Guardians yeah. three because it is very much of like fitting extension of the way that the Guardians movies work. But at the same time, I'd almost would rather love to see him take on something completely new. Like power pack exactly like something with that kind of like nostalgic sort of weird sensibility but something that he can make his own i almost wish runaways wasn't on tv i was just gonna say i I, because that's why i went with power pack because yeah runaways is already done on tv yeah he would do fucking gangbusters with runaways yeah so let him do power pack guardians or even like nova like yeah like just do like I would be on board for any of that because you know he would approach it from a completely different sort of perspective. It's like we said, like animation, yeah. it, it kind of gives filmmakers a completely different mindset. And I think it's kind of, it's something that Hollywood should be dealing with more. As much as it's been rumored yeah. to have a female director, yeah. and I would much prefer that, Yeah. Supergirl. Yeah. If it, if... The rumor mill was saying it's going to be yeah. set in the 80s or yeah. whatever, the 70s. It would be very much an extension of this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, th- this is the point. There's so many movies he could do. He's very versatile. Yeah. Like, we're, we're fans now. He's, yeah. It, we're very impressed by this of, movie. Yeah, of Knight and Hudson. Everyone involved. Yes, everyone. Even John Cena. <laughs> Even John Cena. <laughs> uh, I, I don't mean to s- say that sounding reluctant but it's just like i'm surprised we're, we're, we're still surprised by john cena it's yeah. been like two weeks since we've seen this movie and we're still mm-hmm. surprised but yeah um where can people find you on social media at their chris widow they can find me at hey it's jenna lynn you can find our show at tomato tomato pod on twitter just go there um we have all the links to relevant things that you will enjoy um if you're up to it please leave us a positive review on itunes you can consider that to be a Christmas present to us. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it for Bumblebee. We will be back hopefully later this weekend to talk yes. about Aquaman. Yes, we will. Yes. All right. Until next time, keep watching movies. Except Transformers 1, 2, 3, 4.